The Paunch Stevenson Show. PaunchStevenson.com. Episode 302. Saturday, May 9th, 2020. This is The Paunch Stevenson Show. PaunchStevenson.com. Episode 302. The quarantine continues. <laughs> The uh, what do they call it? The, uh, the the quarantine, the lost quarantine episodes, or the uh... <laughs> the lost episodes? I don't know. The the we're 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 like locked in here in our own our our own insane asylums. Yeah, recording yeah. Uh, <laughs> over the internet. Well, I mean, we've always done that more or less, but <laughs> so yeah, well yeah, so for us, everything's exactly the same. <laughs> I mean, think about it. I I, ha- I haven't started my car in like two weeks. I I don't even know if it runs anymore. <laughs> I've started it a couple times, but I haven't needed to buy gas. <laughs> I haven't needed to get an oil change. I haven't needed to do anything. I I filled it up like literally a month ago and have n- really not used it since. Yeah. So yeah, so, so there you go. So less pollution as a side effect. People uh, are claiming less pollution for now. Yeah, yeah. Less pollution, but you'll you'll wind up dead. <laughs> yeah, that's the irony. <laughs> Ed Begley is celebrating out there. So should we start? Should we do our usual and start with celebrity deaths? Well, you know, um, I was going to go on our usual uh, deadoraliveinfo.com and check there. Hasn't been updated. Nah, maybe that guy's dead. Uh, I hope not. (laughs) Right? He's either either dead or just assumed there would be so many celebrities dying from uh, coronavirus that just figured, well, I'll just wait a year. Updated. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what happened. So we have. Well, you've kept track. Yes. <laughs> we have. Well, there's a few that were. Uh, that was a few easy ones. A couple of months ago. So Kirk Douglas. We talked about him. I don't think we. No, we said we would save it for next time. <laughs> anyway, he was born. December 9th, 1916. Died. Wow. Yeah, I know. Wow. Died February 5th, 2020. 103 years old. Kirk His wife Douglas. is still alive. Mrs. Douglas. Whoever that is. <laughs> uh, so what was the... I, you know, I know Michael Douglas. I don't know. What was Kirk Douglas? You know better than I do. What was he in or what was he famous for? Well, I guess the big one was Spartacus, right? What is that exactly? I know the cartoon, but what is the the movie? <laughs> the <yeah>. Cartoon, <laughs> the Nickelodeon cartoon. Oh, there was from the eighties. Yeah, I never, I didn't see. This is this is where we differ a lot in that <laughs> you have this this unbelievable recall on these these just absolutely pointless. Um, infinitesimal these, these I don't know where you how do you remember that I only remember pointless things <laughs> <laughs> it's true 
Wait, so what is Sparta? I don't, I don't know. It's Is it a Greek, an ancient Greek thing? or What, what is that? Yeah, Spartacus was like a, I guess he was a slave or something in ancient Rome and like fought them, uh, whatever. And <laughs> supposedly... But he was in the movie. 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. Yeah, yeah, the original one. All I remember um, from all I know about Twenty Thousand Leagues Under the Sea, that that horrible Disney World uh, ride that they had. No, ever go on that? No, <laughs> it's terrible. All I know is there was an SNL skit, Saturday um, Night Live, with Phil Hartman. Phil Hartman, and he was the captain of the the whatever <laughs> they called it, whatever the name of the he vessel. Ca- he's captain Carl. No, different captain. And there were people aboard the vessel, and he kept going, We're going 20,000 leagues under the sea! And it's like... They're like, but we're not... Like, what is a league? Like, I, they just kept being... Con- he just kept saying it, and they were... I don't know. It was... It was I found it silly, but... Lovely. Anyway, yeah. Well, um... <clears throat> he was also in this horrendous uh, science fiction movie... It's called like Saturn Three or something like that. <laughs> okay, Saturn <I> just, Three. <laughs> it was really bad. Uh, <laughs> it was from nineteen. It was released in nineteen eighty, and um, it starred uh, Kirk Douglas and Farrah Fawcett. And uh, Harvey Keitel shows up. Wow! But the weird thing was, <laughs> this didn't make any sense. But Harvey Keitel, who at the time was, you know, and I guess you could say he was an up-and-coming actor or whatever, but, you know, he's from New York. Mm. Kirk Douglas is from New York. Um, you know, it wasn't like Harvey Keitel was, like, like from Poland or something. So, okay. but they, But they they dubbed his his voice with uh, Roy Dotrice, you know, as a famous actor himself. For some reason, they dubbed Harvey Keitel's voice, and it, it just made no sense. But Wait, this what? was one of the worst, you know, science fiction movies of all time. Why did they dub Harvey Keitel's voice? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, it's not like what, what was the movie where they dubbed Andre the Giant's voice? Uh, but, it wasn't Princess Bride. But Andre the Giant's voice was, you know, he had a... Uh, right, it was difficult to understand him. Harvey Keitel is Harvey Ke- he's a regular guy. Hello, my name is Andre the Giant. I'm going to beat the Pokemon game. And wasn't there a movie where Arnold Schwarzenegger's voice was dubbed? Uh, An early movie? Like, oh, Hercules, right? Yeah, I Isn't think it? so. Or, or or one of the, like, Hercules in New York or something like that. Uh, well, uh, actually, Hercules, uh, the movie with um, our good friend Lou Ferrigno. <laughs> uh, they dubbed Lou Ferrigno. They dubbed everybody's <laughs> voice. I think it was a German movie oh, uh, yeah. or an Italian movie, but they dubbed everybody. Well, um, so you may- actually... Wait, speaking yeah, of ahead. dubbing, so, yeah, I'm running out of things to watch, so I've, uh, th- this weekend I was kind of fiddling around with Netflix, seeing, like, what, like, science fiction shows are out there to watch, and 
Oh god, I don't even remember the name of it because they're all the, like the names are all the same. Oh, I think it was called Dark, and I don't know if this is a German show or a Dutch show or something. And I started watching it, and I realized within like the first ten minutes, the entire show was dubbed, and it was dubbed badly, like nineteen sixties <laughs> like Japanese movie badly. <laughs> You know the voices are totally not even in sync. I mean, it was it was really really bad. I I can't watch this. <laughs> what was it about? Well, I don't know. Who cares? No, but was, I couldn't like, watch it. I no, stopped I after mean, fifteen minutes. Was it sci-fi? Was it comedy? Horror? What was it? It was like a dark. Yeah, it was like dark sci-fi slash horror. Okay. But anyway, well, so. Wrapping up on Saturn thir- Saturn three. What about uh, Saturn four, <laughs> the sequel? Uh, come on. Uh, so Saturn three, they paid Farrah Fawcett uh, seven hundred fifty thousand dollars. Their first. This is this is like the Paunch Stevenson, like movie of movies. The first choices for the male leads. You guessed. You got it. two. Gu- Wait, wait, wait. There were two of them. (laughs) Shut up, Frank Stallone. There were two actors. This is in 1978. Two actors who we make fun of all the time who were prominent in 1978. Who would those two actors have been? (laughs) Sylvester Stallone. I don't know. uh, No, come on. They were old. Kirk Douglas got the role, so it had to be older. Oh, older. Uh, Jerry Lewis. Oh, my God. No! (laughs) For a science fiction movie? Oh, (laughs) sci-fi. William Shatner. Well, it's a good guess, but no. (laughs) I don't know. Give me a hint. Give me a hint. Come on. on. There were two two (laughs) British... Okay, two British actors that I imitate all the time on this show. (laughs) Oh, Oh, I don't believe it. Billy Connolly. No, come on. Billy no, Connolly's not that old. No, I'm joking. I'm joking. Michael Caine. It was Michael Caine. That's one. <laughs> Michael Caine. And who else would it? Oh, oh um, Sean Connery. Of course. Yes, yes, yes. They <laughs> would not pay me a million dollars. Damn it. Oh, man. <laughs> Listen, you got to cut me some slack. It's been a little while. Oh, come I, on. I need to get back in the paunch Stevenson mode. But wow, wait, so so they offered it originally to Sean Connery and he turned it down? And Michael Caine. And Mike, yeah, and Michael Caine. They turned it and down. Kirk it Douglas to, Kirk. did it, though. So, Kirk Douglas's original name was Isor Dan- Danielovich. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, by the way, so you mentioned his wife, who's still alive. Her name is Anne Bidens. She is, she just turned 101 years old. Right. Well, it's not his first wife. No, but I, they, they got married in 1954, so it's a long time. Uh, but wow, 101 and 103. That's good. Dead. Dead, well, at, not, dead not at 103. Yeah. It's a long living family. So there's that. There's uh, so Kirk Douglas, and then next celebrity death. Born October third, nineteen forty four, in Germany. 
Germany. Died May 8th, 2020. 75 years old. Uh, Roy Horn. <laughs> born Uwe Horn. Roy Horn from Siegfried and Roy. Siegfried. Siegfried and Roy. Now, which was the one who got attacked by the tiger? Oh, that was Roy Horn. Oh, was he? Okay. So he survived a tiger attack, but... Sort of. Died from... COVID-19 coronavirus. So, I don't know. I never saw them. I... I don't know. Have you? You never saw them, right? You saw their show. I mean, I remember watching them on television, but not live. What were that? You know uh, what? No. Everybody, I know it's like it's just this. I feel like Siegfried and Roy is one of these things that's just common knowledge in the general pop. Culture. Oh yeah, Siegfried and Roy. Right? You, you say Siegfried and Roy, people know what you're talking about. But what did they actually do? I don't know what they actually did. Specifically. I mean, they did, you know, they tamed tigers. They had all those white Siberian tigers that they tamed. But they would do stunt? Like, was it a circus act? They would do tricks? Or what What, what was it? I don't know exactly. Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, it was like, there was like singing, dancing, uh, I don't know, lights. <laughs> Who cares? <laughs> Listen, this was, you know, this was back in the 80s, man. I mean... You did, you know, like like things that were big at that time. Now you would look at it and say, like, who cares? Like, nobody has an attention span now. No, but I mean, but regardless, it's like, all right, so you trot out a tiger, it jumps through a hoop. Like, why? I, I just paid two hundred dollars to see that. Get out of here. Oh well, yeah, I mean, you know, Garden. Las Vegas is very uh, exciting. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I've, I've never been, by the way. Uh, well, I've been to Las Vegas a few times, but I never—I didn't go to their show. Uh, all right, we have another one. So that was Roy. Sure. Roy is dead. Siegfried, not dead. Siegfried, this man is... Yeah, no, he's not dead. He's not dead. Born August 23rd, 1978. Died January 26th, 2020. 41 years old. Kobe Not Bryant. Very old. Kobe Bryant. I thought we talked about Kobe Bryant. Not, I don't remember that. Maybe not. <laughs> I don't remember that. Star yeah, went up in the helicopter and helicopter came down. Yes. He starred in his own... That was it. His own Nintendo 60... Two Nintendo 64 games and one GameCube game. That was his claim to fame? His own, his own trilogy of basketball. Basketball video game. Now, who was better, him or Michael Jordan? Um... I don't know. That's hard. That's listen. That's a tough one. I mean, uh, you know, Jordan won six championships. Kobe Bryant won five championships. Uh, well, there you go. But okay. could could Kobe Bryant do a three sixty dunk from the half court line? Well, Michael Jordan didn't do that either. Maybe <laughs> did it. May, he may have done that in Space Jam, but not in uh, real life. Yeah, was Kobe Bryant in a Warner Brothers animated movie? <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, he may have been in that second Space Jam that they're supposed to come out with. Uh, I don't wow. know. Uh, yeah, so Kobe Bryant. Kobe Bryant and know. his daughter, too. Yeah, yeah, it's very sad. The helicopter crashed. You well, know, he took a helicopter everywhere to, to beat the traffic. Well, the traffic beat him. Well. Unfortunately. I mean, that's, you know, don't fly a helicopter through fog. Yeah. Is that what ha- Was that what it was? Yeah, it was very foggy conditions, and, uh, you know, helicopter uh, pilot, uh, I guess, didn't know where he was going and crashed into the mountain. Hmm. Well, he didn't Who live. There's other, there's other people, but again, without this stupid website, I... I think ugh. that was it, though. I mean, those no, were the big others. ones. Was it? Were there? I thought those were the big I ones. I think so, yeah. We are unprepared... Little Richard died. Oh yeah, right. Yeah, I, I, even, I have it right in front of me, and I'm like oh, spacing God. out here. Yes. Yeah, so born December fifth, nineteen thirty-two. Died May 9th, twenty twenty. Little Richard Richard Penniman. He was eighty-seven years old. Mm. Uh, r- rock and roll, rhythm and blues. Yeah, he was the originator, right? I mean, he was... Well, one of them, yeah. Influential and influenced the Beatles. I don't know. I I would say he was the first... I mean, Jerry Lee Lewis was big, there's no question, but I I would say... Chuck Berry. I mean, Richard... I mean, Little Richard had to be like... Yeah, but I like Little Richard had to be like the first, like, major, major pop star. Yeah, and very... uh, very flamboyant, but also very, um, what's the word? Like, just uh, animated, very, yeah. Uh, like, uh, yeah. Yeah. Whatever the opposite of subdued is. I can't think of the word, <laughs> but he was the opposite of subdued. Well, like Jerry Lee Lewis wasn't. I mean, the guy, didn't right. the guy literally set the piano on fire and Probably. played the piano while he's standing <laughs> on it and everything? Well, he also did many other things too that were sketchy but but we're talking about little richard right now right well so did he (laughs) i don't want to uh did he wait what did he did i don't know probably didn't everybody back then (laughs) probably no chuck berry well yes chuck berry is uh has problems but and he was also a big um a big influence on uh, the beatles no yes yeah, Beatles, Rolling Stone, all those, but the whole, a whole, ge- Little Richard influenced, or, or helped influence a whole generation of musicians. Mm-hmm. So, um, Womp Bob Loop Bob. And he was a contestant on Wheel of Fortune in the 1980s <laughs> with James Brown and Weird Al. <laughs> a very bizarre uh, combination of contestants. Wow, really? Yeah, yeah. I posted the picture on Facebook. Oh my! I think I can't believe they got James Brown on a on a, on a fortune. <laughs> There's, I remember watching an interview. You could, you, you, if you go on YouTube, you can find an interview where Weird Al is talking about it. Probably on a. T- I can't remember. I, but I vaguely remember watching a Weird Al interview where he talks about it. I think on a talk on like Tacon and O'Brien or something like that. Yeah. And he's just like, yeah, James Brown. Like they had to keep explaining to him how to play. <laughs> 
It's like, no, 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 no. Oh, no, no. play Wheel of Fortune? Yeah, it's like, no, you don't just keep shouting out, let, or no, 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 you have to spin the wheel. No, now, now wait for it to, okay, now pick one letter. <laughs> T! No, no, they, they already picked T, James. You have to pick a different letter. And A! No, no, you, A, that's a vowel. You have to buy a vowel. Like, they just had to keep explaining. So it's like Celebrity Jeopardy. Okay, yeah. According to Weird Al, that yeah, yes, they wow. had to keep explaining it to. So who won? I have to assume Weird Al. <laughs> uh, I mean, but I mean, it is. Real it's on YouTube. You could go on YouTube and watch the ad. someone digitize the episode. No, no, not now. But I'm saying someone actually digitized the episode from what looks uh, like a VHS tape, and you can watch the actual episode. Um. So yeah, Little Richard. Little Richard, pretty crazy. Uh, Richard dead. Back then, uh, uh, but, but, but back then you you had Little Richard again. Chuck Berry, Elvis. Um, uh-huh. I know there's probably people out there who are much more expert about this than we are, who are pulling their hair out. No, no, Elvis was six months after Little Richard. It's a whole different era, uh, and that like, but but I'm I'm lumping them all together in like a. You know, you have Little Richard, Elvis, Chuck Berry. Um, when when was Chubby Checker? Was he? <laughs> I'm teasing, but like uh, Fats I think Domino. He was after, he was after then. Yeah, yeah. And um, Fats Domino was in that era. Uh, yeah, Jerry Lee Lewis, 50s. like you said. And, uh, right. Well, then eventually you got like the Motown Buddy guy, Holly, Sam Sam Cooke, and uh, Wilson yeah. Pickett. Yeah, people like that. Yeah, Buddy Holly, obviously. So yeah, who played Little Richard in uh, the the Gary Busey oh. Buddy Holly movie? I, let me let's see. Was he in there? I, I thought he was in that. Maybe not. Maybe he played himself. Wasn't he in? What movie was he in? Was Little Richard? Was he in Back to the Beach? Well, he was in. Wasn't he in the Pee Wee's uh, Playhouse Christmas Special? Oh, that's what. It, maybe that's what I'm thinking of. He may have been in Back to the Beach. I think everybody was. <laughs> yeah. T- terrible. Let me see. Uh, Little Richard. No, he's not showing up as a character in the Buddy Holly story. Next. Born July 9th, 1938. Died April 15th, 2020. Oh, these are some good ones. Actor... Brian Dennehy. Yes, Brian Dennehy, who was in uh, Rambo, the first one, for the first blood. Yes, that's what I am and, recognizing him from. And Cocoon. Remember he was in Cocoon? And he was in this Chris Farley movie they made one time. Uh, hold on a second. Let me... <laughs> Cocoon. Come on, you don't recognize him from Tommy Boy? Oh, the da- yes, that's what I recognize. Okay, yes, yes, yes. yes. The dad in, in, uh, in Tommy Boy. Yes, Chris Farley's dad in Tommy Boy. Yes, 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 yes. Let me uh, see what else he's in. Oh, he was in Gladiator. Who was he in Gladiator? Oh, no, that's not the... No, that's a different uh, he, Gladiator. I don't think he was in Gladiator. No, it was, a, it was a 1992 movie called Gladiator with Cuba Gooding uh, Jr. Uh, about a, about illegal boxing. Uh, 
He was also in this and the that would cocoon have preceded sequel. the other gladiator. Yes, the uh, the Russell Crowe <laughs> gladiator. Brian Dennehy dead. Uh, yeah, I just want to see one. Next. All right, next one. Born. Wow. <laughs> Look at this picture here. Gained a lot of weight. Born June seventh, nineteen fifty, in Newark, wow. New Jersey. Died April sixteenth, twenty twenty. WWF professional wrestling ring announcer Howard Oof. Howard Finkel. Howard Finkel. We grew up watching him on TV. Yeah, for several. Yeah, he years. was uh, Howard the Fink. They called him. Uh, he um, he was known for uh, you know, the, in the big matches he would he would announce the new champion. And the new WWF heavyweight champion of the world. According and, to uh, this, you know my. Fr- According to this, he came up with the name WrestleMania. Yeah, supposedly. And Ricky Steamboat's nickname, The Dragon. <laughs> yeah. So what were you going to say? What I was going to say was uh, uh, my friend Lanza, actually at his wedding, uh, we arranged to have Howard Finkel actually as the MC. Really? A few years ago. Yeah, yeah it was pretty funny. Did he do it? Mm-hmm. What? Yeah. Yeah, he announced, you know, he announced the bridal party and all and did the intros, they ate something, took some pictures and left. Is he uh is is Lanza a humongous WWF fan? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Big time <laughs> wrestling. Jeez. Wow, he must have been and and his wife went along with that. Yeah, so yeah, his wife actually contacted me. Of all people, I mean, you know, he knows many other wrestling people, and contacted me and said, "Well, how do I get in touch with him?" And I didn't realize that this guy, one of these guys that does these like wrestling signing shows and conventions, represented him and could have gotten him very easily. But I didn't realize that, so I went through like somebody else, and we finally got got in touch with him, and he, you know, they they paid him to show up. Wow. Well, sixty nine years old. Yeah. Dead. Now this says uh, he had a stroke a year ago. Yeah. And and stopped. I don't know. He was unwell for for the last year since his stroke. And yeah, he wasn't sixty nine years. Old. How was he at the wedding? He was fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was very, he was very, very nice. I know he's he got very heavy, but. Yeah, 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 it's overweight. What did they used to say? And now, now I'm trying to go back like 30, 35 years and remember, because like as as a as a child watching the WWF on TV, and he would come out, he'd be in the middle of the ring with the microphone, and and what was it? He he would say something along the lines, and you know they're in the stadium, the big crowd, and he would say something along the lines of, "Ladies and gentlemen." Yeah. Get you know this is a a one like a one one fall match or something like. No, uh, this match is scheduled for one fall. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. 
And in this corner, weighing, uh, yeah. f- f- it was always some absurd, exaggerated number. Like yeah, of course. 450 pounds, 7 feet tall, from Venice Beach, California, Hulk Hogan. It's like, he's not 7 feet tall. Well. <laughs> I'm exaggerating, but they, they real. I mean, it, you know, it, it was, it was, uh, at the, t- I don't know about you, but at the time... Maybe I was just a very naive, gullible child, but when when these people would come out and 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 when and you know it's it's the wrestlers they would come out and and go in the ring and do the promos and do the the wrestling and everything. I just had yeah. I had no inkling that this was all scripted and and I'm like oh look it's these two guys who were really like this in real life and. They're fighting each other and and mad at like in real life they're mad at each other and they're fighting and right obviously looking back now it was completely absurd and just silly entertainment but as a boy I was like I I, I thought it was serious yeah I mean I, I remember when I guess it was I don't know if it was a tug was it tugboat or Yokozuna I don't know one of them uh, sat on Hulk Hogan. <laughs> And supposedly, like you know, like broke all of his ribs, and then he was in the hospital. Right. And they kept putting it up, like, like, yeah, okay, kids, send a get well letter to Hulk Hogan in the hospital, and they put the address. Yeah. And I was actually tempted to do it, and then just didn't feel like it. But so you know, but like WrestleMania, like one of thousands of examples, like WrestleMania two, the 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 final big main event, Hulk Hogan versus. King Kong Bundy in the steel cage, and as a seven-year-old boy, I'm you know, or, or, or whenever I ended up watching, I don't know, like eight years old or whatever, watching it at the time, it seemed so intense and serious. Like, wow, these two guys are really battling each other, and this <sighs> fierce battle, and they hate each other. They're enemies, and they were obviously looking back now, it was just a scripted. Uh, silly you know thing and and yes they were really doing physical moves but it wasn't like these two guys who hated each other and battling to the death it was entertaining yeah right of course it was entertaining but still is still yeah i know (laughs) so anyway all right so howard finkel dead next one finkel dead next one we got let's see let's see let's see Born February 13th, 1929. Died April 5th, 2020. And we're doing these because we're in quarantine. The whole world is in quarantine. What else is? What else has happened, right, other than celebrity deaths? So. Not much. Uh, so died April 5th, 2020. 91 years old. Lee Fierro. Right. So she played the Kittner, Mrs. Kittner. You know, uh, her son was the one that was uh, first eaten by uh, Jaws or whatever it was at the beginning of the movie. And um, she she walks up and, you know, slaps at the funeral. She slaps Roy Schneider right in the, you know, Chief Brody right in the face. Schneider, yeah. And, yeah, and, um, of course... When she died, of course, everyone, you know, in the coronavirus and, you know, and the fact that now the beaches, people are, you know, all these idiots on spring break in Florida were going to the beach. And it was all these memes about the Kittner boy. 
you know, and and, and you know the mayorville who was like, it's the Fourth of July weekend, and those beaches will be open. <laughs> you know, and then that's kind of the joke. It's uh, life imitating art, right? <laughs> Sadly, life imitating a nineteen. 19- 75 movie. One of my other favorite lines from the movie is uh, I'm not going to have someone here doing a half-ash autopsy on a fish. <laughs> the beaches will be open. <laughs> and, then, and then he looks over and is like, what? Who's flying a plane into the shark's mouth? No, that was Jaws the no, I, know. I know. Michael Caine. Who, by the way, she appeared in as well. Lee Fierro. Yeah. <laughs> Jaws. And we know who that that starred. Michael Caine. Michael Caine. That's it's right. my greatest movie role of all time. I flew the plane <laughs> right into the mouth of the shark. Alright, next one. So yeah, Lee Fierro. 91. She died. Uh, she died. Another one. Uh, COVID-19 death. Who? Oh. Lee Fierro. Uh, well, I mean, you know, how many years she have left? I, well, hey, she could have been. Uh, she, she, she could have another twelve years, like Kirk Douglas. Mm. All right, next one. Let's see who else do we got here. Born August twenty second, nineteen twenty five. See, these are these are uh, very long lived people. Died mm-hmm. April fifth. Was that the same? Both died on the same day. Died April 5th, 2020. Honor Blackman. Yes. Uh, she played Pushy Galore, of course. Pushy Galore. To my James Bond. Bond James Bond, that's right. In Goldfinger. Now. Pushy. I, I vote. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Goldfinger. How did they get away with that? <laughs> this was a family movie. How did they get away no, with it? No, it wasn't. I'm kidding. But seriously, though, how did they get away with that? Like, octopus. It was because it's not taboo in Britain. What was Octopussy? Was that that a- was uh, that was in uh, 1983. That was Roger Moore. Was that 83? Wow. Yeah, Roger Moore. But did that? That was the year. That was the year that Roger Moore's James Bond went up against Sean Connery's James Bond movie. Really? Yeah, you had two like seventy-year-old guys playing James Bond. Oh man! Same what, time. What was the Sean Connery? Wait, for, okay. First of all, what was the Sean Connery one? Was never say never again. And second never. question is why did they shoot? two James Bond movies with two different actors and release them at the same time. How did that even happen? Well, what happened was um, the the uh, original author of James Bond, uh, the books, Ian Fleming, he stupidly, um, he was talking, he met this guy named Kevin McClory. And him and, and this other guy, and they... Um, they were like hanging around and talking about like different James like ideas that they could use for James Bond like a James Bond movie, and stupid Ian Fleming went and used those ideas in a book. 
called Thunderball. Which I have, which I saw the movie of. Yes. You know who sang the theme song? No. Tom Jones. Oh, okay. I mean, it wasn't. Um, I, I I don't remember it being a good movie, but. No, it's a it's a very good one. One of the more successful Bond movies. Anyway. There's too much so, underwater. It's just like it, went, it just dragged on. But anyway, go ahead. So, this guy Kevin McClory sued Ian Fleming for several years, and eventually they settled. And so basically, the normal uh, James Bond producers went and made Thunderball, and McClory was given a producer's role. And what happened was he the rights after ten years would revert back to him, and then he could make he could remake the movie. Couldn't make any other James Bond movies. He could make that movie. Right. Okay. So after about ten years or so in the seventies, he he was trying to do it, and they were suing each other back and forth. And then eventually, in the early eighties, I guess the Bond producers were just like, you know what, just you know, the hell with this guy. <laughs> And Sean Connery was uh, angry with Cubby Broccoli, who was a James Bond producer. Broccoli. So he said, "Well, I'm, you know, I, they wouldn't pay me." So he one he million made the dollars, movie. right? Yeah. So he needed a million dollars. He went. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I don't think he made that much, but uh, they went and made that movie, uh, which was a remake of Thunderball. It starred uh, Kim Basinger. That was a oh, I, I and never Sean knew Connery. That. I never knew that was a remake of Thunderball. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Huh. yeah it's, a, it's a total remake. So and he it, remade a movie that he was in originally. He was in his own right. remake. Well, I mean, it was the only way that it was going to get made. I mean, the, the, the guy was never going to get a budget um, otherwise. And the funny thing is, he made that movie, and then he just kept suing <laughs> stuff uh. and. So finally, um, what happened was eventually uh, MGM, which bought out United Artists, they went bankrupt uh, about uh, not quite 20 years ago. And the the James Bond company, which was uh, Eon Productions, they were trying to get the rights to Casino Royale, which was the first (laughs) James Bond book. With Woody Allen. Oh, that disastrous movie! I, uh, I, uh, shaken, uh, not stirred. I, uh. <laughs> so they were trying to get, um, they were trying to get the uh, the rights to that, and all the same, they were fighting with this stupid McClory guy. So it went to court. It went to like bankruptcy court, and eventually, the judge was finally like, they ruled in their favor, and like, you know, this is ridiculous. It's been, you know. <laughs> 40 years, 50 years. <laughs> Over a stupid movie. <laughs> a lot of money involved. So, um, yeah, so now all of the all of the James Bond rights since about 2005 belong to them, and that's when they then began to do the, the Daniel Craig movies, beginning with Casino Royale. Mm. Now, what about when was uh, Timothy Dalton James Bond? Uh, late eighties. Oh, late eighties. Because who yeah. was in the one that had Duran Duran do the theme song? That was still Roger. Moore. Oh my god! Really? 
Wow. Yeah, he was like 70 years old. He held up, I guess, right? He hung in there. Barely. <laughs> yeah, the bad guy was Christopher Walken. Oh, really? Yeah, I'm going to blow up, uh, you know, Silicon Valley. Eh. <laughs> what does James Bond care? So go yeah, ahead. Stop him. So what was with the, all the in in the James Bond with like Goldfinger, the Golden Gun? Like what was the, this thing with gold, Golden Eye? I don't know. Ian Fleming. Ian Fleming. Had, yeah, I guess he had a thing for gold. I don't know. <laughs> okay. I mean, it's right. It's gold. The gold standard. It's. Uh, I guess so. So does a lot of money. Uh, so does Donald Trump. He has a thing for gold. That's true. Everything's gold. Gold-plated have buildings. have all of my furniture in gold. It's not really gold, but you it's the best fake-looking gold you'll ever see. Because <laughs> I, it, nobody knows fake-looking gold better than me. That's nobody. Right. That's right. All right. Uh, next one. So that was Honor Blackman. Honor Blackman, who was also in The Avengers. But, like, from a few years ago? No, no. Oh, one from the '60s, the British, the British show. Oh, but it's still based on Marvel comics, though. No, no, oh. it had nothing to do with it. Oh, I, it's me! I invented Avengers. Oh, there was another Avengers, <laughs> not involving Stanley. <laughs> and I didn't shoo them. He probably could have. So, what was that Avenger? I never heard of that. I'm learning. You never heard. You never. You don't. You never heard of Emma Peel. No. What is the? Hold on. I got. Okay. So I'm clicking the Avengers. What the heck is so the this? the Avengers? Was this uh, mid to late 1960s? Uh, you know, BBC, kind of like a spy show, but it, so it was like half. It was. It was. You know, there was. They were spies of some sort, but. There was there was so much like weirdness. It was a it was a lot like the monkeys or Batman, you know, one of those <laughs> weird shows. It was campy. Yes. Yeah, it was very campy. But Diana Rigg played uh, Emma Peel. She was also a Bond girl. Uh she's the most famous uh, um heroine from that show, but she wasn't the only one. Actually, Honor Blackman was on the show uh, uh before her. She played. Uh, oh God! How can I not remember? Uh, she played Kathy Gale. Kathy Gale, yeah. So the TV show, the British TV show, was created in 1961. The Marvel comic, The Avengers, was uh, it debuted in 1963. Oh, so Stanley plagiarized them. <laughs> I'm a crook. Right. I'm crook man. I come to show him. I rip everybody off. <laughs> well, that's what you always said. <laughs> oh. oh, and in 1960, DC Comics had the Justice League. So it's like he just copied the Justice League. Well, he never made the Justice League. No, but I'm saying it's like the same concept. But right, right. But anyway, all right. So that was that was Honor Blackman. So who do we? Let's see. Next one. We have. Let me type this. In. Someone. 
who I do not know. Okay, come born, on, I know this guy. We'll see. Born April 10th, 1929, another very old person, which is great, and then died March 8th, 2020, 90 years old. Max von Sydow? Yeah. Is that... The, That's right. He, I... he talked like this. Okay. He talked like... He was in... Uh, he was in the, uh, 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 Flash Gordon, the movie. He was Ming the Merciless uh-huh. in Flash Gordon. From 1980? Yeah. And, uh, you know, he was also in... Uh, uh, he played, uh, you know, he was in uh, 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 Bill and Ted. I think he was in Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, wasn't he? Was he? Wait, oh, I'm, I'm checking. I'm checking. Flash Gordon. The guy was in a million movies. Hannah and her well, he was sisters. All- Dune. Never Say Never Again. Yes, he was one of the bad guys in that movie. Ghostbusters 2, Vigo. Well, the voice. Uh, no, the voice. He was not Vigo. Vigo the voice. No, too. it says the voice. Oh, I didn't know that. <laughs> Strange brew. He was in The Exorcist. Oh, okay. Okay. And he was also in uh, Victory, the soccer movie starring uh, Sylvester Stallone and uh, Michael Caine. Never heard of it. And no, he was not in any Bill and Ted movie. But you know what movie he was in? What? He was in Judge Dredd. <laughs> yes. Dude, and he said, Joseph. Dude, Joseph. Dude. Sylvester Stallone. Did you ever see that movie? Uh, I never saw it. Was it good? Eh. I mean, it's, you know, it's a dorky <laughs> 90s Sylvester Stallone action movie. Not much to it. Was it better than Demolition Man? Uh, no, I don't think so. Which, by the way, they're, they're supposedly Stallone wants to make a sequel. <laughs> With Rob Schneider. Yes! And, uh, and what's Maybe he set? finally figured out the three seashells. <laughs> Sandra Bullock. Yeah, <laughs> Sandra Bull. So this guy, Max von Sydow. 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 He was Sydow. also in Conan the Barbarian, 1982. Yes. Boozy, boozy, bop, city bop. Yeah, all right, moving on. Moving to, on to what? <laughs> I don't know. Wait, you have nothing? <laughs> no. I... There's got to be something, right? What's? Uh... I have a lot of things. Go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. You well, go. first of all, your good friend is going up to space to make a movie. Yeah. Doctor Good Phil. friend. No, not that. Why would he make a movie? <laughs> they just, put just, just catapult him into space. <laughs> and film They it. should, or at least throw him in like a cesspool. Watch Wait, who's doing a movie in space? Oh. M. Night Shyamalan? No, what? No, Is I know. Space? The Madman. <laughs> the Madman, right? Yeah, who? Tom, Tom Cruise. Uh, help me that's help it? you. Just... Help me help oh. you. <laughs> help me help you! 
Uh, wait, oh, for, what is it? A Mission Impossible movie? I have no idea. And, and I argued with people. I said, they're like, this is the coolest thing ever. I said, well, two things. First of all, Elon Musk hasn't had a great track record with his, his uh, spacecraft launches. I'm supposed to be dead. Oh, okay. No, and the other thing is, why would you go to space to make a movie? You can just fake it. That's the point of making a movie. Is it's fake? Eh. Guess they don't want. They want it to be authentic. <laughs> authentic. Uh, I mean, this space. must be. This must be some like Scientology, uh, uh, L. Ron Hubbard thing. Where Tom Cruise has to go to space and like <laughs> speak to L. Ron Hubbard. Now, is it genuine outer space, or is it the that I, I don't know the exact, the exact terminology? There's outer space, and then there's like low Earth orbit where you're weightless, but you're not technically in outer space. Uh, I think at that point you would be in outer space. <laughs> is that considered outer space? Even like you're just that. Uh, well, anyway, it doesn't. Yeah, I think that splitting would be outer hairs. Space. Okay. <laughs> Uh, well, he's going to be throwing up all over the place, and because uh, if I if I went up there, as cool as it might be to see, oh, planet, you would throw up. You you go on a memory go around throw up. <laughs> I know. I can't imagine. No constitution at all. No motion sickness. You you would you would do very well in the Donald Trump White House. You have no constitution. No, no, no. How dare you? <laughs> How dare you? I would... I would... Uh, you know what I don't understand? If we can get slightly serious for a few seconds. That's it? When someone like Donald Trump is saying... And, and I'm not just saying this because it's Donald Trump and he's Republican. or Who cares, right? But when someone in that position of of leadership and power and authority is at the podium surrounded by experts suppose you know sometimes and he's saying wrong things why does nobody ever go up to the micro like how come nobody ever shuts him like i'm serious if i'm a doctor if i'm an expert surgeon or an expert uh, you know, uh, germ doctor. I don't. I can't think of the word. But well, I mean, I said, he's the pre He's the president. And he's like, oh, you to... just do the, You just drink bleach, or you just inject yes, whatever. Right. You know, I, I heard. Why it. doesn't I the heard, doctor? Why doesn't somebody step up to the microphone, cover the microphone, and say, no, that's wrong. Don't listen to this man. I understand their career will be over at that point. But what is it going to take for somebody to cover his mouth? And yell into the microphone, what he's saying is wrong, don't listen to him. Everybody just stands there silently, looking like deer in headlights, like, just silent. Because, because they didn't get to that point by having a backbone. Yeah, I guess not. They're just, they're all, you know, basically they're just all enablers. That's the term, enabler. But isn't that... Like the the fear maybe maybe uh, my mind is is getting too wild, but I feel like the fear is, and obviously I'm not a history expert, 
But isn't that how someone like Adolf Hitler became powerful because nobody stopped and nobody shut him up? Nobody said what you're doing is wrong. Everybody just stood there silently and like, oh, he'll never make it to the next level (laughs) acting like this. And oh, he made it to the next level. Oh, he'll never make it to the next step. Oh, he made it to the next. Oh, he'll never make it. Yeah, pretty much. And then 50 steps later, you have World War II. Yeah, well, I know, not quite 50, but yeah. No, but notice, I, I know I'm simplifying, I'm generalizing, whatever, but it's like it's, somebody has to interfere with what he's saying at some point and not just stand there like silent people. I don't know. Anyway. Uh, it's it's not even worth complaining about. I mean, it's just not... The, the, only, the only thing is to stop him. I mean, they tried to impeach him. Um... <laughs> You know, the only thing that will stop him is uh, to be uh, voted out. I guess so. That's it. Although, I mean, the crazy part is, like, everybody around him has gotten coronavirus. (laughs) Well, he probably does, too. He hasn't. I don't know. How do we know he doesn't? That's true. How do we know... We don't know. How do we know... That he didn't die from because he's in that that at risk age group, the high risk age group. How do we know he didn't get it and die? And this is an imposter. I don't know. You get the fake hair. I mean, this isn't North Korea. (laughs) Is it? I don't know. No, it's where they have all these like body doubles. Saddam Hussein impersonator. Yeah, true. Saddam Hussein Adam. So anyway, so what were you gonna say? <laughs> that 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 was the serious segment of the Paunch Stevenson show. So, what, uh, what, what, what were you? <laughs> what were you gonna say? I don't, it just bothers me when I see like the Doctor Fauci or whatever his name or the woman or and he's saying these things and and they're there like face palming. They're face palming. They're not hiding it. But no one gets up to the microphone and says, "Stop talking." I'm going to tell you the real fact. And I know, I know that that's, I know that that's a, a very bold thing to do, but. Many, many people have. Many people have criticized him. Um, but it doesn't a, matter. But there's a difference the between problem. criticizing and literally interrupting him and saying, no, that is wrong. You're telling 250 million people the wrong thing. Stop it. Well. Yes. Yeah, so, well, again, many as a doctor, ago, as a doctor, it's my duty to to tell yeah. people the correct thing. Well, many months ago, uh, Doctor Fauci did correct him in in one of those uh, those like board meeting things that they had, where he, where he, you know, Trump was like, "Oh, we can get we can get a vaccine in a couple of months," <laughs> right? And and he, Fauci, was like, uh, "No, it takes at least a year and a half. Sometimes it takes many years. You know, right. It's just not possible." And you know, and he probably got scolded for it. So, but but then also at the uh, then my other question is: all you can do at the end of the day, if you're in that position, is you would you would resign. You would say, "Right, that's I what I'm saying." Right, right. So why do they not resign then? Well, several of them have, but usually what it's come down to is they've kind of individually or even in a group sense they've they've decided that. It's better that I am there to buffer this guy's insanity because if I'm not there, then you just have him running roughshod. I guess. 
podcast, so. Oh, well. Come on, these are adults. These are grown adults. Like, how is yeah, this? Yeah, well, I... If I think He's back... He's a crook. Well, He's I... a crook. I know. But if I think back... Right? You, you, you remember when we were in AT classes and our teachers and, and Mrs. Fiscaldo, like they're all talking. You guys have, you're 10 years old. You're 11 years old. You have to be reading the New York Times. Don't read those silly fourth grade level newspapers. You have to read a 10th grade level newspaper, even though you're in fifth grade. But you're smart. Read the New York Times. Read the newspapers. <laughs> Get informed. Look out for the politician. Do you remember? Again, we're ten-year-old children, eleven-year-old children. The teachers telling us these things. You have to look out for politicians. Double speak. I'm going to encode all the double speak for you as children, so that you, so that it's in your mind as adults. You'll be able to point out the double speak and the lies and the slick, you know, wording and all this kind of stuff. And then now as adults, it's like, what was the point of that? Because you have a bunch of buffoons running things and they just say whatever they want and nobody stops them. And uh, our teachers gave us this idealistic version of what it's going to be like to be an adult. And then as an adult, it's like, that's not true at all. Well, I mean, back in the 80s, it was like that, though. Was it? <laughs> there were... Yeah, I mean, back in the 80s, I mean, there were some bums here and there. But, you know, for the most part in government, it was, you know, it was people that were capable of, of, of you know, running governments at that time. I don't know. You know, that, 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 was, that was how it was. Not anymore, but... I feel like there's always been crooks and swindlers. Well, and... I mean, there's always crooks. I mean, it, listen, there's a difference between... Being corrupt, uh, being nefarious, you know, whatever, and or, or even being a zealot, and being stupid and narcissistic to the point where um, you're 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 unchallenged when you come up with these ridiculous ideas, and you <laughs> live in, you know, remember he's supported by a media factory. Right. On the right, that he yells into, and then they they pump up whatever he says, and and they recycle it, and so people, you know, like forty percent of the country or whatever it is, that's all they they listen or read or or watch is that's all they're consuming. So they never hear the other side of the story; they only hear this nonsense. And when any time there's anything negative or critical about Trump. They're the ones along with him that immediately say, you know, fake news and they're biased and blah, 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 blah. And it's it's just pointless to complain at this point. Just vote him out. I don't know what to say. By the way, when did the term, like, fake people calling things fake news, yeah. I feel like there's already a word for that. It's called a lie. <laughs> Why are you making up a new term for a word that already exists? Like, oh, that's fake news. It's a lie. Just say it's a lie. Well, and it's not. It, but it's also not fake news. That's the reality. <laughs> right, anyway. Anyway. Um, so yeah. Anyway. Next. As we move on, to uh, got another lunatic to talk about. Oh no! Who? Who now? Corey Feldman. What? So who we met by Corey the way. Yeah, a few times. So Corey Feldman, um, 
has been talking for all these years about this 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 wolf pack that's out to get him you know and you know he did the time where he faked getting stabbed um, by screech yeah I'm and kidding. and I'm kidding I'm and kidding. Uh, well screech did stab somebody no, I, I'm, I'm kidding you know and he you know he he Corey Corey Feldman just he's just off his rocker and he always says that there's these these ho- these powerful people in Hollywood that are out to get him, which is nonsense. <laughs> and so he's even cult- thinking about. I mean, no offense so to Corey it, Feldman. I'm sure he's a nice guy or whatever. I don't know, but like, well, he has Corey Feldman. But anyway. Corey Feldman has been alleging that there is this pedophile ring in Hollywood that's gone on since the '80s, and he was a victim of it, and Corey Haim was a victim of it, and blah blah blah. Mm-hmm. And to the point where, at some point, Corey Feldman and one of his associates accused Charlie Sheen of molesting Corey Haim back in the 80s. Mm-hmm. So this culminated with Corey Feldman, who over the years has made horrendous musical albums Yes, that he has gotten his stupid fans to pay for. <clears throat> yeah. um, he's gone on tour with this crappy music. Yes. And so he he, he tried to cra- he was crowdsourcing this documentary that would reveal all of these these pedophiles in Hollywood, reveal all the names. And so he took all these people's money to make this documentary. And then he announced that when the documentary was finally ready, that he was not going to put it out on streaming media. It's not going to be in a theatrical run. It was not going to be DVD. Nothing. What is it? VHS? No. (laughs) Worse. It would be a pay-per-view. Like the old days. It was going to be a pay-per-view. Closed circuit. (laughs) Situation. So what he he was going to do was he was going to rent out a theater in Los Angeles. Uh Play it there one time only and never again. And if you wanted to see it, you had to log on to a website at exactly that time to watch it and pay $30 or whatever it was. Right. So, wouldn't you know because it's Corey Feldman, you know, it's a big premiere, the theater's full, these stupid people are online trying to see it. 30 seconds in, the stream goes down. <laughs> and never comes back. I thought you were going to say, like, oh, the projector's broken. Sorry, everyone. So he gets up. I, I, he gets up in the theater and is like, oh, I, you know, I can't do this. You know, the, the, the street went down. We can't show it. So they start pro, They start revolting in the theater. They're all chanting, show it, play it, play it. So what's he going to do, leave? Right. So they play it in the theater. Now, the people at home who paid to see this never saw it. They never saw it. And then days later, he was like, even though he said he would never air it again, he's like, oh, I'm going to air it again for these people, which never happened. (laughs) So the people that watched it saw it, and basically it's like, it's Corey Feldman bad-mouthing Corey Haim's family, bad-mouthing Corey Haim, bad-mouthing Charlie Sheen, and then bad-mouthing these other people who used to have, like, parties for child (laughs) actors back in the 80s. And blah, 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 blah. And then there was, like, one guy who was a manager for Corey Feldman for decades who Corey Feldman said molested him. Okay. So, 
Well, Corey. So anyway, that came. This was months ago. So now Scott Schwartz, who we have met. Yes. Scott Schwartz was, of course, the little boy actor in the toy with Richard Pryor. He was in a Christmas story. Kid Co. And Scott Schwartz um, is like a booker now with conventions. He's always at Chiller with different actors. Right. With his mother. Yeah, and the brother and all. So Scott Schwartz knew, knew both Corys back then. And in fact, he had an apartment in the same complex as Corey Hain for many years. So Scott Schwartz did an interview and where he basically just spent the whole interview like debunking every every accusation that Corey Feldman has ever made against anybody and basically saying Corey Feldman is a drug addict, loser, and all he cares about is fleecing people out of their money. That, that Basically what Scott Schwartz said, I was so angry by this documentary because Corey Feldman has been using Corey Haim's name to make money for years. And Haim's mother, Judy Haim, is so upset by all this because Feldman will not let it rest. And she's like, can you put the, he's like, please, my son has been dead for over 10 years or whatever it is. Can you stop talking about him? Which and you know and one of the things Corey Feldman failed to to you know mention in the documentary was that it was not Charlie Sheen who raped Corey Haim in the eighties. It, it was in fact this other guy Dominic Brasha who did it. Um, and the crazy part was this Dominic guy wound up continued to be Corey Feldman's friend for years. And, you know, Scott, Scott Schwartz, I'll put a link up. Scott Schwartz just goes into, like, great detail about, like, you know, everything about Feldman is just, it's about making money, and he's he loves playing the victim, and he's totally full of it. And think about so he's accused all of these people all over Hollywood of all these things, right? Yeah. Who is the one person who he never accused, who nah. everybody knows was a pedophile, and he was friends with for years? The wacko. The wacko jacko. Michael Jackson. But you know why he didn't. Why? You know why. No, that's ignorant. Yes. No, I love children. I love children. Children are beautiful. <laughs> My hair was on fire. Yeah, even in the afterlife. <laughs> wacko. The things that I'm hearing you say that, well, okay, first of all, this supposed documentary, it's just him sitting in front of a webcam, like just talking by, like he didn't interview people, he didn't find footage, he didn't, it's just him accusing people. That's not a documentary, that's just a vlog. There's like, I think there's like one other actor and like... Corey Feldman's like sister is in it or his brother or something like that and then there was some other actor who was molested by somebody that was had nothing to do with anything and he was in it I mean it was terrible it was just and, terrible and, and it was then, only like an hour long and then the other thing is why what, what he took people's money he made this quote movie documentary and then he's not showing it. Like, why? Why did you do it then? I don't understand. If you're not going to release it or show it or sell it or or try to help well, people he's, with it, or 
apparent supposedly he expected like when he said this is the only way you're going to see it he expected to get like a hundred thousand buys and he probably got like five thousand so he figured oh you know I, now i'm screwed so you know, i gotta have a technical difficulty and get them to pay me again oh god oh. i don't know oh well moving on I don't understand. Have you seen? Because, well, wait, wait a minute, though. But he was a very, like, I don't know how this happens where you're a very popular, beloved personality, right? Like, actor personality. You're in all these movies, very successful, and then all of a sudden you just, that's it. Someone blows out the candle and, and you just become a maniac who can't get another role the rest of it. Like, how does that happen? How do you just fizzle out like that? I, I, I don't understand. I guess drugs, right? I guess that's a part. Yeah, I, don't, I mean, he was, listen, Corey Feldman was a decent enough actor, but he wasn't yeah. a great actor. He wasn't a lead. I mean, he, think about it. He was in Gremlins where he was like, you know, a supporting actor bit part. Mm. Then he was in The Goonies, right. where he was a supporting actor. He was not one of the leads. Then he's in Stand By Me. Mm-hmm. But he's still not one of the lead characters. The lead actors in that movie was River Phoenix and Will Wheaton. And I guess Kiefer Sutherland. He was supporting in that movie. You know, He was in Lost Boys with Corey Haim. And he was a supporting actor in that movie. Like, he was never the, you know, the, the primary actor. Mm. I mean, it wasn't that good looking. Yeah. No, I mean, it wasn't. So, moving on. Yeah, moving on. It's just, it's really sad quick. and it's dark and uh, I don't know. Moving on. Really quick. So, have you seen all of these cast reunions that they've done with, like, Zoom and stuff like that? <laughs> no. What cast reunion? Well, a lot of, like, a lot of these old casts, like the cast of Chuck... And the Goonies, in fact, they got all the Goonies cast members. They got the director. They got Spielberg, like, including Corey Feldman. Yeah, all of them. Oh, so they he got did everybody. that. Well, it was hosted by Josh Gad. Did he? Did he uh, accuse everyone of like, molesting him? Or what? No, I guess not. But basically, so basically, like you know, they showed like on this Zoom meeting where there's like 15 of them. Yeah. On their webcams, and then they were just talking about it and discussing it. Um, other shows like I think uh, like I said Chuck mm-hmm. um, I'm trying to remember one of the some of the other ones um, Chuck did it there was a few others that actually like did like script readings wow. so they got and it was amazing like with Chuck they got like like 15 like they got everybody it was like 15 different <laughs> actors like all the supporting actors yeah. I mean they all look terrible well and also <laughs> I mean let's I, I, I don't say this to be mean but like what else are they doing they're not Right. Well, and it was you know it was for charity. Yeah. Oh. So um, the what do you call it? the Parks and Recreation? They did a, a yeah, community. One-off. I think did one. The nanny, I believe, did one. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's right. Or they're going to do a Fresh Prince. Now I know that they're uh, limited. Uh, physically, they're limited by what they can do because everyone is in his or her own remote, you know, right. uh, f- uh, home, location. But they I also felt... did one for that thing you do. Oh, yeah. But I felt like the Parks and Recreation one was like, oh, it's it was 
fun to see them interacting with each other again, but it wasn't like I was like, that's it. <laughs> that was I was <laughs> expecting more. I was expecting it to be funnier or whatever. But but hey, it was for charity. What it, you know? Yeah, well, well, even even and then Josh Gad now he's going to do Back to the Future. Wow. Wait. wait so wait, what is uh is is Josh Gad like this big thing now? All of a sudden, I don't understand. No, I mean he just he's just done a couple of these casts. He hasn't done all of them. But like, oh wow, they actually did one. Why, I didn't realize they did one. Wait, they did one for my so-called life. Jeez. <laughs> oh, and I'm looking at this. It's none of the people from the movie, the TV show that I remember. No Jared Leto, Claire okay, Danes. Who the hell was in this? Claire Danes and Jared Leto. Oh, no, this is... Never mind. This is for The Office. That's why. Oh, oh wait, The Office? Or, no, no, this is Hamilton. This is Hamilton. I was looking oh. at the, the wrong picture. Oh. <laughs> No, but why? Why uh, but, my so? Wait, who did they get? Uh, who did they get from uh, my so-called life? But why? Got, why Josh uh, Gad of all people? I don't know. We could be doing this. We could be uh, reuniting casts. Uh, my so-called life. Oh, they got Wilson Cruz, Claire Danes, uh, the other, the girl, and a bunch of the parents. And I guess Jared Leto is too much of a weirdo. He wasn't going to do it. No, he didn't do it. Come on. No, he didn't do it. The nanny. Wow, they had everybody from the nanny. We watched a new sitcom that Fran Drescher starred in eh. earlier this year. It was called Indebted. It was a sitcom. Okay. And it was it was um Fran Drescher and Jason Biggs. Was that who it was? Maybe. Hold on a second. Let me see. That's a name I haven't heard in a long time, right? Jason Biggs. He's from New Jersey, no, right up I, the road from us. I'm sorry. That was, I, I was confusing two different new sitcoms. Yeah. Indebted premiered February 6, 2020. Fran Drescher, Adam Pally, Abby Elliott, daughter of Chris Elliott, Stephen Weber from Wings. Um, anyway, it it was okay. <laughs> it was okay. Well, I mean, not for nothing, but speaking of like cast zooms, I mean, what would we want to see? We obviously we we would want to see like Get a Life. Okay. <laughs> cast zoom. <laughs> Well, uh, Family Matters, Saved by the Bell, Seinfeld. Well, Saved by the Bell, they're doing that stupid, that, like, that, you know, that remake yeah, TV yeah. show. Supposedly, a, a Friends one is in the works. Is that true? Yeah, there's a Friends reunion coming. Not that I care. But, but like a series, show. though, or what? What is it? I don't know. Uh. I don't know the details. Uh, Charles in Charge. Zoom. Well, that's never gonna happen. <laughs> they hate each other. Uh, yeah, I don't know. What else? What else? Uh, uh, I mean, you can't do Alf because Willie's dead. Well, can't do the Cosby Show. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, you can't. It's terrible. True. 
Terrible. Uh, Where did you see the... Oh, wait, hold on. Let me, let me look at the picture here. Of my so-called life. Uh, I don't... Yeah, what else? Uh... Uh, Full House is already doing a, sh you know, they, they already have a show going. Yeah, they've done it. Yeah. Perfect Strangers. Mm. <laughs> I don't know. I think it's dumb. Can I tell you? <laughs> Dawson's Creek. Uh, but but it's funny, even, you know, I mean, you know, all the TV production is shut down, and I know, like, one show, uh, The Blacklist, is doing its season finale as an animation. <laughs> what? Yeah, I guess they're just like, ah, oh. hell with it, we're just gonna... Because, well, I mean, they film in New York, I, mean, I don't know when the heck they're gonna ever gonna complete that. But, ah, that's so weird. Yeah. That's I mean, they can't weird. even, like, rotoscope it. I know. That's weird. Puppets. They could do puppets. <laughs> Claymation. <laughs> what else? They could do, like, green screen. Like, everyone just use your phone. We need a, tra we need a Transformers Generation 1. Oh, cartoons. Home. Yes, cartoons, of course. Definitely Transformers. Um, you know, speaking of rotoscoping... G.I. Joe. I mean, it's all the same, right? It's all the same thing. But, but go ahead. One of, yes. the, one, of the last, one of the last things I was going to mention, speaking of rotoscoping, so, um, you know that website Ars Technica? Yeah, tech news site. Yeah, I've mentioned them before. So on YouTube, they started doing this series um, a, couple of, a few years ago. It was called War Stories. And so each episode was like 20 minutes or so. And they basically take like the creator or one of the creators of a, you know, major uh, like PC game or sometimes it's console um, game developer. And uh, mostly from like the late 80s into the 90s. Where, and they talk to them about like, uh, you know, how, you know, they just tell their war stories and how difficult so many of these games were to actually bring to fruition, especially since most of them were games were games that had never been done before, techniques in the, in the games that had never been done been done before, and you know, et cetera, et cetera. And there's a lot of them on there, and and the one that I found the most interesting was um, the guy that did the Prince of Persia series because I never knew this. He he actually explains how. When he did the original game in like nineteen was like nineteen eighty eight or eighty nine or something like that, he was doing yeah. it. Right. That he it was amazing. He actually rotoscoped the characters. Yeah. Well, in this well, game. Well, he did the so movements. Actually, he, he he video recorded himself yes. doing the sword fighting movements. Yeah, and actually, I should say, preceding that, he did the game Karateka. Karateka mm, uh, or whatever the yes, heck. Yeah, I don't yeah, know yeah Karateka, yeah. So he did that game, and actually that game is him and his brother, like, the, taping them as, as they're teenagers, taping them doing karate moves, and he somehow, like, used that. Like, and it's just amazing. Like, when he was talking about Prince of Persia, he would, he would record it on video or something like that, mm -hmm. and 
And then he would take it and he would actually um, project it, uh, like on a like with a projector or something. He would project it onto like a wall or something like that. And then he would take still image shots of each frame. Mm-hmm. And then he would take those still images and he would like you know, uh, like like make them as like negatives or whatever. And then he would he would take them and scan those with you know like some ancient 1980s scanner. <laughs> and he would scan those into images, and then like because he was working on like a Macintosh at the time, and 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 th- and those became like he would digitize those, and those would become his character animations. And it's yeah. just amazing the way, especially with that. I mean, there was other on a lot of these stories, especially the stories from the people who did like the games from like the the eighties, especially when you had no you had no resources to work with, and he's like. He's like, I was trying to make this game on the Apple II, and you know, you only had so much memory. And so he was just telling all the techniques of how he would reuse so much in the game and like change it a little bit, change the colors, and that would allow him to fit it into the you know into the memory, basically. Yeah. Yeah. They the um, it's a really <clears throat> good series. The designers and the developers back then had very little to work with like well especially compared to what we have today at our disposal the equipment the memory uh, well i mean now was, everything yeah. is is there's engines and and toolkits for everything yeah well i mean you want to scan I mean, nobody you I have mean, a 8 bit per ch- 16 bit yeah. per channel scanner you have digital cameras you have video 4k video cameras and I mean, I, I, can, I remember gigabytes of RAM and SSD drives, and back then you had like a five and a quarter floppy disk, and uh, yeah, and and a they wrote everything from scratch. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I remember the old like LucasArts, um, like point and click, you know, graphic graphical adventure games. Yeah, and they basically had to do everything from scratch. So, like uh, one of the guys named Ron Gilbert. They just they designed this scum engine they called it, and that was the the language that they created you know out of nothing to 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 do it and they use it on multiple games and their sound LucasArts the sound there was two guys named Michael Land and Peter McConnell and they created this thing called the iMuse system and they like used it on all of their games you know and, and again because there there had they, there was no such thing as a sound engine. You know, and I think the other one was um, what's the other one because I actually have a book. I have a book from uh, the making of uh, the Star Wars Rebel Assault. Mm-hmm. It's like a crappy FMV game. And uh, the guy who worked on it, I'm gonna see if I can find his name. Eh, not Wikipedia, but uh, the guy who worked on the the actual like video processing for it. It was it, like I, I was reading this book, and it's just amazing, like, like how he came up with this. So he basically built a a an entire software engine that would read, you know, like and play on a CD, and, and just you know, he was like, he's like, I everything that was available at the time would never have worked. So he basically had to write it from scratch. Yeah. A codec or, or uh, something along those well, lines. Uh, that wasn't even yeah, it wasn't even that a custom uh, codec. 
Well, Vince Lee was the guy that uh, designed it. I think he was he made you know I think he was the guy that actually uh, created that uh, you know, that like FMV system <laughs> that they used. Very. I mean, again, these guys were, and, and in fact, where I would bring up a documentary. So one of the things I was doing lately was I was I was watching a lot of like video game documentaries, mm. and. Um, yeah, there's a few that I've seen before. There's a few, some of the some newer ones that I hadn't seen. But the only thing I would, I, one that I would mention was because I don't know much. I didn't ever knew much about it. Was there was a documentary that was done a few years ago. It's actually been in multiple parts, um, and it dealt with the British computer scene in the 1980s. ZX Spectrum. Yeah, the ZX Spectrum and all that, <laughs> but. Um, no, no, it's really good, and and the funny part is, they they in this in there's the the first part was more of like the whole British computer scene from the the Spectrum to the what was the other one they had there the um, Commodore Micro the BBC Micro oh, yeah yeah right and there, there was another one though Atari Commodore no 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 there was another like British only one I forget which one it was um. But anyway, it's called, uh, <laughs> as I pull it up here, From Bedrooms to Billions. Mm. Bedroom to Billions. So they did one in 2014 where they talked about the UK game industry. And they have all these, you know, how it started in like mail order. And they had micro fairs and then the retailers and all that kind of stuff. And they had all these people who, who like collected games then and wrote games and stuff like that. And then the second one dealt with the Amiga, which was very popular in, in Britain. Um, and there's a third one that just came out about the PlayStation. But anyway, the, 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 the one thing I really liked about this one was, especially in the Amiga one, they interviewed all these guys who ran all those like software companies that we remember. You know, like Ocean and U.S. Gold. Pro. And Psygnosis. Well, I don't know. Were they British? Yeah. Oh, well, then, yeah. I mean, yeah, some of them may have been on Factor there. 5. Rare. Uh, they had... The, I, they, they talked about the Rare guys. They didn't have them on there, but... Mm. Uh, um, <clears throat> but, yeah, I mean, it just... I mean, but, but what I mean when I'm saying... I'm, not talk, I'm talking about, like, late, late 80s, early 90s. Okay. You know, and, and the publishing houses and just how it was, like... It was it was like a lot of like mom and pop kind of businesses. Very 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 good. I was very impressed by those uh, documentaries. I will. I will. Uh, yeah, sounds intriguing, and uh, and I well, like I'd have that to kind send of stuff. it to you. You'll never find it. I like no. I, I it's Google search. I'm looking. No, I know, but it's not. It's not. You'd have to pay for it. You're not gonna pay for it. All right. So. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't pay for it. Good. Well, I'm a journalist. I I'm a journalist. <laughs> press. Yeah, I know. We have press passes. <laughs> we do? Yeah, and, and by I, I, I know that Factor Five wasn't British, but they were in that European like demo scene. They they made Turrican and well, I don't know. They, they they were making games on that. Yeah. They did talk about in the Amiga one they talked a lot about the the demo scene which was mostly Scandinavian yeah interesting yeah, 
So yeah, and I, I still experience it when I when I when I go to play any of my uh, Commodore sixty four ROMs and you know the ROM starts off with this music blasting from the, the whoever cracked it, you know, in nineteen ninety one. Right. With text scrolling across the screen and like stretching yep. and warping and it's like this is yep. a demo made by Fire Dragon X nineteen and Yeah, I know. And then, like, and then, like a checkered ball shows up on the screen and is rotating. And... Eh. <laughs> now, tell me what you think about this, because now you and I know so much knowledge about video games and computer games and development. And the, there's there's Japan, there's U.S., there's England. There's we're just much more informed now. But growing up playing Atari and then transitioning to the Nintendo Entertainment System, even the Genesis, the Super Nintendo, I feel, at least for me, there wasn't, like, I, I wasn't exposed to a lot of that information. It was just like, these magical video games just show up at the store and we buy them and we play them. And, like, that's all, that's all I knew. I didn't know that, the, <laughs> like, for the longest time, in the 1980s, I didn't know... These games were coming from Japan. I'm just like, oh, a company made Mario, and you, like, I didn't know they were Japanese, and that they were, or, or that they would be translated, and or like, I just didn't know any of this stuff at the time. At ten years old, I didn't know. So, but you were still a know-it-all. Well, we all were, but <laughs> but at the time, I remember playing so many like we had a lot of nes games and 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 you know friends down the street we'd go to each other's houses you had nes games. we all had nes games and playing this wide variety of nes uh, nintendo entertainment system games even without knowing specifically all of the uh behind the scenes stuff I could always tell that there were certain games that just something was off about them. So like Super Mario, Mega Man, Contra, Turtles, and like the like those kind of games, Life Force. Like, oh, these are the cool games, Jackal and whatever. And then we play something like I don't know, like the Gauntlet or the Simpsons. No, but like there were just certain games we'd play and like, why is it like you have to go into a menu, or the control isn't as 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 fine tuned, or like there was just a, something different about certain games, and I didn't know at the time. But now looking back, that this is this is what I wanted to ask you. Now looking back, it's like oh, Contra, Mega Man, Super Mario, Zelda, Jackal, whatever. Those were Japanese-developed games. Those were the ones that felt good to play. The Western games, the UK, uh, uh, the US games, those were the ones that felt off to me. That's just my opinion. Just the, just a certain approach they took, the, the way... I, I don't know, I can't explain it, but just the, the, the design philosophy they had, it just was off to me. So what I'm I saying just think is, that looking back... They didn't know the hardware. 
No, but even just the, the just the philosophy of the game is like, oh, we we make Amiga games and we're porting them to the Genesis, and I'm like, but they just feel I don't know, they just felt junky to me, or they just well, they didn't. Yeah, they think about as, it. Ah. But think about it though. Most of the prominent video games in the 1980s, the successful ones, even through a good portion of the 90s or most of the 90s, really, when you think about it, they were arcade ports. And so, and and not all of those are, many of those arcade ports were designed by Americans, American companies, some were British. You know, there were many that were Japanese, of course. Mm-hmm. But um, they were arcade ports. And so, if the arcade game was good, and you got the the port halfway decent, you had a decent game. You really didn't have to do much. And so so basically, and, and in fact, in, in that documentary, especially in the, um, I think in the Amiga one, but they, they talked to the guy that, that created U.S. Gold, for, for instance. Mm. And he would talk about how, you know, you know they did, uh, I think it was, no, it was Ocean. It was the, the guys <laughs> Ocean, that were at yeah. Ocean. Yeah, yeah, and like in the very late '80s, they did this RoboCop game. Yes, that was massively successful on 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 computer. Yes, and it, it was a decent game. It's not horrible, but it was mainly a big success because it was a big movie success. And so what they right. used to do was like with Ocean and U.S. Gold, especially for computer, would be that they would buy all these movie rights. Yeah. And so what would happen is you would have in the United States, you had American publishers and developers and they would get the rights. And then in the UK or, or something like that, and in the UK, there was no one. So there was literally no entertainment industry in the UK to license, you know, m- mostly American franchise movies to video games or to computers at all. It was just it didn't exist. So they would basically make these deals and what would happen is they would look at it and say, Well, you know, we got the license, we paid money for it, and we don't have to market this thing. You know, we don't have to spend the money to market because it's already marketed because it's a movie. True. So yeah. what they would do is they would say, okay, well if we don't have to spend money to market, we can actually spend more money to develop the game. And you would get a decent game, which would then find its way back to the United States. In many, especially a computer, in many cases where you would you would you would be confused and say, "Wait a minute, why are there two Temple of Doom games? Why are there two Ghostbusters games? You know, why are there <laughs> right. multiple games? Doesn't make sense. And right. why is one the one that's being you know peddled by Nintendo Power and Toys R Us is garbage?" And this other one that no one has looks good. Like, how does that happen? <laughs> and that was a, that was a big that was a big part of the reason. Also, let's face it, Acclaim, LJN, a lot of those companies that got the movie licenses um, back in the '80s into the '90s, they had to pay a lot of money for those licenses. And the way they looked at it was, this was a toy like anything else. So, I mean, think about it. How Tiger Electronics used to license everything I know. and make I these know. horrible handheld games. Horrible. I know. But they would sell because they were cheap. Right. 
No, but what I'm saying, so 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 yes, there were the cheap. Sorry, there were the subpar licensed games that were junk, right? But and I get yeah. that, and I'm not talking about that. What I'm talking about is you had the Japanese companies creating games that were being released in America. You no, had I, I European you companies releasing games in America, and they had all of this computer experience, right? Like, like, like Turrican and The Last Ninja and and uh, Commander Keen and and uh, I, I don't even what what other computer I don't know whatever other computer chips game. challenge, and it's like. And again, without knowing this at the time, without knowing this information at the time, playing Super Mario Bros., oh, the way he jumps, it just had a feeling to the game. Oh, the yeah. philosophy yeah. that was like, Dude, this is fun and whimsical. And and then I would play another game, and I'm like, wait, why do I... like? It just felt different to me. Even though the graphics might have been fine and everything might have been fine about it, it just felt different. And then later on, looking, it's like, oh, those were European games. They just never felt right to me. But well, but we know that a whole population of people grew up loving these computer games yeah. in that area of the world. But to me, well, it's I'm all they like, got. Right, it's all they got. But they loved those games. But then to me, it's like, well, I played that game, and I think it wasn't that good. What? That was a classic game. How could you not think it was... I don't know. I just feel like it wasn't that good. I feel like you know the European funny? games aren't that good. That's just my you opinion. Know what's, you know what's funny, though? Especially when you think about like platform games and even top-down games, adventure games, whatever. But, but games where you're controlling a character, let's say. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just amazing to me if you play them on the Atari 2600, very, obviously a very uh, simplistic console. Now, and, and, and some of the contemporaries, let's say ColecoVision, 5200 in television. But the one thing that those, those systems had in common a lot, as I said, was arcade ports. Yes. But I, this is something I never understood. Those programmers who were mostly Americans, and but those were guys who programmed the entire game. They programmed the any physics. They programmed the graphics, the sound, the control, everything. Right from scratch. And they would write it in like assembler. It's crazy. Yeah. And the British guys did all. The British guys did as well, especially in the eighties when it was all like, it, it like. They were in their phase where they were like writing everything themselves, right? So they did all that, all right. And then the Japanese basically did the same thing, you know, and put it out on like the Sega systems, the Famicom, etc. And this happened like throughout the NES, you know, where you would even as the technology uh, grew. And the graphics capabilities grew, and you could do more things and all that. How is it even even garbage games? I mean, I could tell you some horrible games that had terrible control and all. But when you played the game, 
it still felt like the interaction with your hands and the controller and your eyes still felt the same as it did on the Atari. And wait, hold on. And so this happened all the way through the 16-bit era and the, and the you know, a lot of kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Then, you know, years and years later, you started getting homebrewers. And at first they were just doing like hacks. Yeah. And nowadays, you know, they're doing like full games, you know, where there's there's these incredible like development kits now. And there's a way that you can write a 2600 game. Um you could write it. You can design it graphically like you would a current, you know, video game console game. And these programs, these developing developer kits, will basically translate it into code. And you don't even have to know like assembler. Right. Right. Now, the one caveat there is most of those games will not run on a 4K or 8K, you know, cartridge board. As the old games did, there's much more memory involved. But in any case, so they do that. And all these home, and I've talked about this before, and all these homebrewers come out and they do that. And every time I play one of these homebrew games, I say to myself, I don't understand this. How is it that almost every single one of these homebrew guys that work on these games, they put all this time into it, and they fail the one thing? Which is the the physics and the actual, you know, ma- manipulation, the, the flow of a game. Like you're playing mm-hmm. when you played Super Mario Brothers, the first one. You played that game, and when you hit jump, the character jumped. You know, and but each game had its own thing. There were some games that you played, and you knew that this character, when the character jumped, he would kind of float right. a little bit. Right. You know, or other games, if you're playing a Sonic game, you know it's fast. So these are like physics that they're putting into the games. How is it that these homebrew people, and again, these are grown adults. A lot of times they're older than us. Oh, yeah. Why is it that they, they've played thousands of these games, and yet they cannot understand this simple concept of like when you're playing a platform game... And you go to control the character, and you hit jump, and the guy like goes up in the air, and is and it's like I'm like what 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 the hell is going on here? It's like yeah, it's like a like, weird physics, this, like a weird. This isn't natural. Like a it right angle or something. <laughs> it's like, it's amazing know. to me they cannot understand, and this can't be that hard to program because there are garbage games from the '80s that were programmed perfectly fine like that. Right? How is it that they don't understand this? Like, do they not think that the... I mean, do they need a case in gravity? I don't know. <laughs> I think... I, yeah, that's a good question. I know, I've noticed the same thing. I've noticed the same thing. And and I think part of it is, like... Part of it is... Um, I think it's laziness. Well... Part of it is like, wow, I'm one person. Look at this thing that I created. This is awesome. And then instead of going back and refining and fine-tuning and tweaking, they're just so proud and and amazed at this thing they created. It's like, I'm, I'm done. That's it. 
Uh, I'm amazed by it. It's like, well, well, good, good first draft. Now let's fine tune it and tweak it. Yeah, I, I mean, there's this game. There's, I'm not even gonna say the guy's name. I don't want to badmouth him, but this guy is a small company, and they, they've been, they've been releasing um, like homebrew and stuff like that on the Dreamcast for several years. But I mean, like, they, so they did a racing game. They did this four by four racing game, but they didn't do it from scratch. They basically bought the game, the rights of the game, and the game engine. But the game initially was on the PSP. Mm. Okay. So now you tell me, because you probably know better than me, hardware wise, what is more sophisticated system, the PSP or the Dreamcast? It's got to be the because the PSP That's a is tough like a PlayStation, I don't right? Know. No, no. Well, I don't know. That's a tough call, actually. Well, okay. So anyway, this game. The game itself, even on the PSP, it looks like an N64 game. You know, it doesn't oh. have lighting effects, doesn't have, like, the right <laughs> shading. It's just, it just doesn't look great. Okay. And they brought it to Dreamcast. And now they're doing another game that's more of an arcade racing game using the same engine. And, like, they want people to buy this game. Yeah. For, like, 40 dollars. And I'm looking at it and I'm like, like wait a minute. I'm like, wait a minute. If I go back to the launch lineup for the Dreamcast when they had, like, Kart Flag to Flag Racing and Tokyo Extreme Racer and yeah. um, what the hell was the other one they had? Um, well, they had they had tons of them. Uh, Metropolis, Ferrari, Sega Rally. Well, that was late. Those were later on. But I'm not even talking about, like, the, the incredible Sega ones, you know, like okay. Crazy Taxi or something. Okay. I'm talking about like some of the first ones, yeah. like so. Yeah, Tokyo Extreme Racer. Even that game, I mean, that game looks in tons better than this game that they're doing. I'm sure. I mean, it it just looks like a it looks like an S like an N64 game if it had like a double jump pack on it. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't get it. I don't get it. That's weird. Yeah, I don't. Well. The other thing to remember, too, is, like, you know, it's the same thing that I always scratch, or, or that I used to always scratch my head, like, there are certain wrestling games on the, on the Nintendo Entertainment System that are fun to play. Then on the Atari 7800, it's like this wrestling game is the worst piece of garbage I've ever seen in my life. I don't understand. The control, the, the, the graphics. Now, and you know you've met. You've actually met and spoken to the guy who did those games. I know. I know. And now I understand, well, the games that are good, that have that smooth feeling to it and and that fun feeling to it you had a team you know to, to have a team of like five or six or seven people back then that was a big team so you had a big team back then even on, I don't know, the and NES, testing I don't know if they had that many people and test but the testing and the te the yeah. difference between the piece of garbage game on this Atari 7800 and the really classic, amazing game on the NES 
was the testing and the refining, the testing and the refining, the testing and the refining. And that takes time. And time is and money. money. And on the Atari 7800, you had a guy who was like, hey, here's 400 bucks. We need this in three weeks. Crank it out. We don't care. <laughs> Literally crank it out. We don't care. And is that so what he the, said? Well, no, 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 no. I'm, I'm, I'm generalizing, but it's like, so you had someone who did his or her best given the financial and time constraints. I mean, even John Carmine, even even the, the, the best wizard on planet Earth at programming, if you give him a hundred bucks and six days to make a game, it's going to feel like it took six days to make. It's not... <laughs> You know, you th things take time. So now, right. now having all this knowledge and speaking to people and all the, the perspective, now I understand that the junky games, a lot of them were junky just because it was a quick cash. You know, trying to make a quick buck, and it's like, look, we're we're a fly by night publisher. Here's a hundred bucks. Just crank something out by the end of the week. We got to get it on shelves. Yeah. But as a child, we don't know that. We're like, oh, look, it's this cool shooting game. And we get it home. And we're like, this is terrible. What the hell? <laughs> so, yeah, that's that was unfortunate. But I don't know. I, I still say there was something like you have people who speak so fondly about these Amiga games. Oh, that Amiga, the classic Amiga games, the classic Commodore 64 game. Oh, that was, that sold 5 million copies. That was one of the best Commodore 64 games ever. And, but, and then I play it and I'm like, it just feels janky to me because I'm so used to the Japanese way of making a game that the European well, way of making a game just feels weird to me. Well, computers also, you had different genres that we didn't see in consoles for, you know, decades. Yeah, right. You know, they didn't start putting them in there, you know. So there was, there was, there were like strategy games and, like I said, like, you know, uh, like point and click and, and that kind of stuff, simulation that you really couldn't do on a console. Right. So. Well, it, yeah, there, and, there were, and it made me, real like, to go back to what you were saying before, it really made me realize that. Yeah, I prefer classic arcade-style games. It doesn't have to be a cl literally a classic arcade, but that style of like very linear, repetitive... <laughs> like That's the kind of game that I... Like Kung Fu, or Mega Man, or... You're going from point A to point B. You're going from level one to level two. There's a boss. There's a, That's the kind of game that I... You know, it's funny, when you brought this subject up, where I thought you were going to go was, and this is true for me nowadays, I have, it's not that I don't have time or anything, I just at this age, I guess, I just don't have, like, the attention span or the patience anymore. Right. And so if a game, if I can't just turn the game on and just start playing it, and it's like even with, like, a movie or a TV show for me, if I can't get into it in 10 minutes, I'm never going to go back to it again. Right. Which is different than I was when I was, you know, 9 or 10 or 11, when I used to play the worst games humanly imaginable because <laughs> I had it. Right. It was but all I would had. play them. God, I would play them for like weeks at a time trying to beat this, this right. heinous 
steam pile of garbage. Right. Because I had it. You know, I had Dick Tracy on the NES. I had Who Framed Roger. They were terrible. Right. Well, and they were hard as hell, but I just kept playing them and playing them. I would never do that now. No, because for me, yes, part of it was, well, your your parents just spent 60 bucks on this thing. You, you, you're going to play it, right? That was part of it. But the other part of it was, again, because I didn't know any better, the other part of it was, well, it's a, a video game is a video game. They're all video games. They're all the same. It must be something wrong with me. I'm not good enough. I have to keep playing and beat this game. I have to get good at it. I have to... Of course, now as an adult, it's like, oh, this is garbage. I, th- th- there's no way to get good at it. It's not worth getting Well, you know, for good. me, that, that all ended when they came out with the Game Genie. <laughs> when they came up with the Game Genie, I just cheated on all those games to finish them. I was like, ah, this game will not, this, I will, I will beat this game. It will not beat me. Right. And the other thing that, uh, so, so now during the uh, quarantine, we're all home. I'm not leaving the house. So I have the emulators, I have NES, Super Nintendo, Genesis, N64, Atari, all this stuff. And and I've realized this for a long time, but now going back and re- oh, I, I never heard of this game. Let me play this game. Oh, I've always read about that. Let me play this. Let me try this. Let me. Ju- I'm playing all these different games that I never played before now. And even though I knew this about myself already, it just solidified the fact that again, I like the the kind of game that is in the style of a classic arcade game. Linear, point A to point B, level 1, level 2, level 3, a boss, power-ups, etc. There came a point in time in the early 1990s on the 8-bit systems and on the 16-bit systems where you went from the Super Mario games, the Mega Man games, Contra, Turtles, Double Dragon, etc., Kung Fu, to the games that the Angry Video game refers to as the where the heck do I go kind of games, where now you had level, instead of going from point A to B, like Russian Attack or Jackal or Legendary Wings, now you had the kind of games where it's like the level scrolls up it scrolls down it scrolls left it scrolls right it's like you could spend four hours just on level one and i'm like what i hate though i i when games transitioned to that style of level design that was it i was done but that's even before 3d I know. No, <laughs> when but they then, were all like that. But then when 3D, like Super Mario 64 and and Zelda, you know, the Ocarina of Time and Star Fox, I really got back into video games because, like, this is amazing. This is phenomenal. Because it, it, yeah, but it was the same thing. Yes and no. It was the same thing where it's like now I have free reign. I can go up, down, left, right, whatever. But it was a world. It wasn't a uh. piece of paper sliding across the screen, and I have to figure out like what tunnel am I supposed to go? It's an actual world with terrain and trees and houses, and it made more sense. I just hated the puzzle, the ones with you know, like I was <laughs> I just mentioned Dick Tracy and Roger Rabbit that were were became like again, it was like the lazy way out. It was like. Yeah. You know that, like, it, it, but again, it was like you—you you were mentioning it. 
it was video. It was not video games designed by people who understood that were had any interest in arcade games or anything. Right. I don't even know right. if they had interest in computer games. Maybe they did. Right. But you know, like they just thought like every game had to be like the movie, and that meant a puzzle. <laughs> right. And it was just what was the the, the classic one. Of course, was um, even though it was like an action game, was the X Men game on the Genesis, mm-hmm. where you literally could not advance in the game. Like you open the game in, on the holodeck or whatever they had. I forget what the hell the actual name was. Stan Lee with the name, <laughs> yeah. and you couldn't get into the actual game unless you hit reset. Right. That's which, right. Did never set it in the manual. I know it was too cryptic. You... So wait, so I I got that game for like Christmas or something because I was a big X Men fan and I put it in and I spent like three days unable to advance the first <laughs> frigging <laughs> level. Okay, it's like what the? F- I know. And and. So and then I just like gave up on it and never played. I don't even know when somebody told me. It must have been like years later. Oh, you know, you hit reset and you get out of there. I said, "What?" Yeah, it, it was absurd. Or, or it may it may have shown up like a few months later in that stupid Funko Land magazine. Well, I understand that the game developers were trying to be creative and do and explore different things explore different approaches and exp- but it's like no it's too cryptic it doesn't make you gotta sense you got to call the game you got to call the tip line but on the super nintendo so for a few years like i said 8 bit and 16 bit the designers were taking this sprawling approach like levels just became sprawling and i'm like oh my god i hate this i hate this but then Rare came out with Donkey Kong Country, the first Donkey Kong Country. And that game went back to the classic left to right, point A to point B, linear gameplay. And I loved it. And so many people loved it. It, One of the reasons it was so popular, yes, of course, the amazing graphics and colors and sound. But it was the classic style of game. They nailed it, and, and and people look back now and like eh, Donkey Kong Country. Eh, it wasn't that good. It was oh, it's overrated. It's overrated. I don't think it is overrated. I think it was a throwback to the classic design of games. Right. I mean, it was. That's why. That's why it was successful. So as we wrap up here, I guess, um, <laughs> just quickly mention, quickly mention that uh, we have appeared on what, what is this? The exit ramp? Oh yes, the uh, on 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 the overnight scape underground. O n s u g dot There we are on the exit ramp. There's a show, a podcast called The Exit Ramp, and we're in. You're in an episode. I'm in a few episodes. Eh. It's it's you know what it is. It's just a group of people from all over the world. Just chatting. Hey, it's the quarantine. It's Corona. What's what's it like in New Jersey? What's it like in Texas? What's it like in England? What's it like in uh, just everywhere? Australia. 
Alabama. And, uh, it's it's yeah. just people having casual the conversation. It's it, there's no agenda. There's no. Um, it's 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 just wherever the conversation takes us. So we participated in a few of those. Yeah, I did. I participated in a few. I did one, and then I, I just I was like, I don't know. It just got it got a little. I I, I just I, I my attention span these days is just bad. I I just. <laughs> yeah. I was like, eh, I, I, let me go do something else. At one point, I was like, ah, I'm going to eat. It never came back. So, that's yeah, fine. It's, it's it's very informal, very casual. Uh, but yeah, our friend Oh, by Frank, the way, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Hold on a second. What? I just, I forgot about this. What? We're talking about Zoom reunions and all. You had a Zoom reunion. I did? Yeah, for the your band. Oh. Did I? <laughs> Not really. Wait, wait. Weren't you on like Facebook Live playing with Carrie? Oh, and, uh, and, and the other guy, other... George, and no. no, 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 no. That was that was. It was a very nice thing. That was a virtual open mic night. I see. So Carrie, my my friend and my former bandmate organized it and she put it out there now it, it just so happened that only two people signed up for it me and this oh. other guy named uh <laughs> what was his name i don't now, I'm, now i'm embarrassed because i forgot it you put me on the spot but um <laughs> so no so we just took to we were all in our own homes in different states right and i'm in new jersey she's in texas this other guy was in arizona and we just said, okay, Rob, now it's your turn. Play a song, and I would play a song, and then she would play a song, and oh, okay. he would play I, a song. All right, I thought, it was, I thought it was like playing your old song type thing. Well, that would be, we had the idea of like, oh, what if we all play together, but just the, the latency. Yeah, you, the, you can't sync it now. Nah, yeah, yeah, you can't. I mean, even with Wesley, like Wesley and I were t- toying around with that idea. Like, what if we both get on live and... and and I'm like the the latency. You just can't do it. He would have to record a video of him playing and then send it to me, and then I would have Man. to add my part and then sync up the two videos and release well, it. So the Rolling video. Stones did. Yeah, but you can't do it live though. Not streaming. You can't do it live stream. But and you're you're playing the last thing. Last thing. So you're playing videos, right? You've been singing and playing the guitar. I've seen that. Yes, on my YouTube channel. Yeah, which is. YouTube.com slash GoodRob13. GoodRob13. GoodRob. A plug. Yes. (laughs) Thank you. So, yeah, I've been posting. At at first, because I hadn't touched a guitar in how many years. I hadn't played. I hadn't hadn't done anything musical, really. Just the time and priorities. So, at first, I started just fooling around and recording myself and just making mistakes and coughing and forgetting chords and whatever. And I'm like, oh, this is actually kind of funny. So, I edited it together and, like, put it online and, like, it's kind of funny. I'm, like, messing up and whatever. And then each time I did it, I got a little bit better, a little bit less rusty, a little bit less rusty. And then I said, you know, and then and I, I started posting them on YouTube, like, just for fun, like, 
see who's who uh, who laughs at this and then people from i don't know eight nine ten years ago who used to watch my instructional videos were like oh hey you're posting videos again when are you going to do more lessons we've been we've been emailing you for 10 years when are you going to post more lessons i'm like i know i know i just things happened and i had other priorities but then i shook off all the rust and and i got like you know in a decent spot again and used to the you know this new the editing software that i use and stuff and then now i've been posting guitar chord you know how to play song videos again and, and people are liking those so mm. i actually have the time <laughs> yeah it's true the what about you ended. what are what are you up to tv the games uh, what else I, yeah it's just um housework catching up on catching up on various uh, tv and some movies, some TV stuff that I'm, I'm catching up on, and uh, I, you know, just like with classic video games, just uh, you know things like um, I'm trying to do box art for like the ColecoVision Atari 5200 uh, uh, SD cart, the flash carts. Mm -hmm. Those like the box art. I've done some of that stuff, and uh, <clears throat> but now is that know, just some other. Is that just for for you personally, or is that to like put out into the publics for people? Uh, no, to I mean I'll, I'll put it. Yeah, I'll put it out there, and and some other stuff is just like you know, like me tinkering with stuff that's been sitting around for years that I just never got to. You know, I like for instance, uh, like a, a month or so ago, I had to rerun like coaxial cable all over the house. <laughs> Fun. The old cable was. <laughs> Stunk, and I just wanted to eliminate splitters and things like that, and I had to improve the overall signal, so I did that. There's yeah. not much else to do. Did you see this big Nintendo leak? Oh, yeah. Documentation and source codes and design files. and For the Wii. And the Wii U. Was that all it was for? Just those two things? Yeah. Oh. I think there was some GameCube stuff on there, but, you know, because <clears> of his <throat> Wii. I mean, the problem is it doesn't really do anything because, like, if you're looking at, like, the like the piracy community, if you want to call it or whatever, I mean, both of those systems, the Wii U and the Wii, are very easily hackable. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. I mean, they figured that out years ago, so... The fact that this information is out there, I don't think it really, really does much. Yeah. I mean, it's nobody's. I mean, who's it's somebody going to build a new? Somebody going to make a new system based off the Wii? No. 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 It's just an interesting sneak peek behind the curtain. Yeah. So, so basically, the, I forget the company's name. There was a company that I don't know if it was in the U.S. or in Europe, but it was a company that was that was doing a lot of the development work on the Wii for Nintendo and I guess the Wii U and basically somebody hacked their servers of some kind from, you know, and pulled this data. Data's 15 years old or whatever it is, you know. But uh, they, that's how they found it. But again, it's not, it doesn't really, doesn't really do much. In the grand scheme of things, the thing that I would really, as a just for me personally, that I would really love to be able to 
for somebody to get a hold of would be like Xbox Live, which Microsoft would never. They're never going to open source that, and they're never going to release it. So wait, what do you what? What do you mean Xbox Live? So like, if you have the original Xbox or Xbox Three Hundred and Sixty. Yeah, you know, a lot of the games that were played on those systems have had massive online communities. Yeah, and you cannot play those games online anymore because the servers have been shut down for decades. Some cases, right? And you can't replicate the server. It's not like it was like like on the Dreamcast. You can kind of replicate it, or PlayStation Two, or even the Wii, or you kind of replicate it because those were more like just matching servers. Mm-hmm. But they can't really replicate what Xbox Live did. You know, I mean, there, there's ways to play games where you can kind of fake, like if you have the original Xbox, you can fake like a uh, like a LAN party, basically. But that's not really the same thing. It's not really the in, with the intention of the the online game. You know, for it wasn't. I miss playing a lot of those games. I mean, you know. Yeah. And a lot of, I think a lot of other people do too, but there's, you know, I mean, there's nothing they can do. I mean, they can't, I mean, even if they find the, even if somebody gets the code for a server for a, for a particular game, I mean, what are they going to do with it? Because right. it doesn't, it won't run without Xbox Live authentication and all this stuff running. And, you know, Microsoft's never going to release that. You know, and good luck hacking Microsoft. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and then even if you do, you'll be sued into oblivion. Well, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, Nintendo, obviously, are probably not happy, but at the end of the day, what do they care? You know, it's it's technology that they're never going to use again on the hardware side. Unless there's a Wii you know? Mini. <laughs> I'm kidding. Yeah, but even, even then, what's it? it's, no, it's just kidding. written on a... On a I'm kidding. They're not going to release. Well, never, they, Wii they haven't even done the N64 mini. Yeah, I know. That's that's a shame. I feel like. It's just. Oh yeah. Yeah, it's, it's been crazy. blown to bits. Yeah. All right. Well, um, this was fun. This was good. Yes. Eh. I'm gonna go get some sleep. Yeah, me too. But uh, the quarantine continues. So, wait, so, so the latest is the date is now Ugh. June something, right? What's what's the latest? I thought New York City said June sixth or seventh. What about New Jersey? And Same the thing. the governor of New Jersey just he has no idea. <laughs> He's like, I can't even give a date. Don't know. But not May. And yet, though. right? And yet, there are states all over the country that have rising cases. Uh, from the virus, and they're just opening everything back up. They're just <laughs> it's weird. Yeah, it's weird. So it's it's just it's very it's it's crazy. It's disjointed. It's just nuts. It's nuts. Well, I'm staying home. <laughs> I'm not leaving the house. Whoop de do for as long as I can. You don't leave the house at all. No, I go in the yard or uh, like every like. Once every few weeks, if I have to pick something up at the stores, I'll I'll do that quickly. But we're trying to just if we need something, we're trying to see if we can order it and have it delivered. Or yeah, yeah we're we're trying to not leave our home 
or our neighborhood. Like, you know, if we walk around right. the block or I, I, you know, I walk the dog, go in the yard Me too. or whatever. But yeah, I mean, I ride my bike. I, I mean, if it's, you know, I mean, there were, I mean, there's the other one last thing we'll mention. Mm-hmm. It is May 9th, May 10th. May 9th, okay, was Saturday. <laughs> yeah. It snowed. Slightly, yeah. It was snowing. I know, I know, in May. The weird thing is, on Facebook, at least the people, some of the people who I'm connected to, post, th- I mean, they've been posting things all along. Oh, it's two weeks in. I'm so, I'm going to kill myself. When am I going to get to go to the mall again? Now it's three weeks in. When am I going to get to go to the mall again? Now it's four. Now it's set. It's week seven. I'm going to strangle people. When am I going to get to go to the mall? When am I going to get to go to Macy's? When am I going to get to go to the, the mall? And I'm like, for what? What do you need at Macy's? What do you, you, you haven't been working. You have no money. What do you need to go to the mall? For, for what? Stop people it. People are bored, and that's where they want to go. They just have to spend <laughs> their money. They just. I, I have this money. I have to get rid of it. I have to... It's like, just hold on to your money and shut up. Like, what do you mean you have to go to the... It's like, stop. (laughs) I can hold my breath for a long time.